All right, guys, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew 6. Uh, we're walking through the Lord's Prayer. We're, we're looking at the biblical question, what is prayer? You know, prayer asking God for something. And so if prayer is asking God, Jesus tells us how and what to ask God for. And that's what the Lord's Prayer, again, is modeling. So just a reminder, we see the Lord's Prayer broken up into two general sections, a God word uh, and an us word focus, the two tables, so to speak, the God word requests, holify your name, come your kingdom, done be uh, your will. Uh, now we're into that second table, the us word prayers, uh, the prayers that are going to have the word us in them. Very easy to figure out where the two uh, switch. And we're looking at this fourth request, this first one in the prayers about us. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We saw that this request, like unlike all the other requests in the Lord's Prayer, this one is arranged a little different, putting extra emphasis on this phrase, daily bread. Okay, And that's one of the reasons, I say that's one of the reasons, we probably would have done it anyway. Uh, just really focused on the, the importance of this idea of what we're asking God to give us. So all the other ones, again, begin with, if you remember, they all begin with, uh, with verbs. This one, uh, you know, holify your name, come your kingdom, done be your will. And now, uh, and the ones that follow it, all begin uh, with the, the verb as well. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us. But this one begins with that daily bread, give us. And so we're really focusing on, on what is our daily bread. And I love that because I think of all the prayers in this Lord's Prayer, this give us this day our daily bread is probably the one we feel the least need to be praying. Uh, just because of our affluence, because of the blessed lives that we live, most of us are not every day wondering, is God going to feed me today? Uh, so when we're walking through, we can see reasons to pray for the will of God to be done on earth. We can see reasons to say, lead us not into temptation. Uh, but the daily bread one, sometimes we can, if we just think about it being just a loaf, uh, maybe we don't feel as emotionally attached to that request. Oh, Lord, please, I'm begging you, give me my bread today. But we saw last week, we talked about how that word, give us our daily bread, is not, is not a simple request. It is not a, it is not a uh, plain request from the Lord. We looked at biblically, bread, uh, it, it, can mean, it can mean simple bread. It can just mean a loaf. But it also came in Scripture to be a shorthand for all food and, and eventually grew to be everything that we might need in life. So when we are asking God for our daily bread, we're not just asking for my, you know, my daily carb intake. Uh, we're not asking for even just the food we need for today. When we're asking God to give us our daily bread, we're asking for everything that we might need. And so we saw that praying that prayer, that God would be the one that supplies all of our earthy needs uh, is a prayer of faith. 
It's a prayer of, of, it demonstrates our faith because it shows that we recognize that everything we get in life comes ultimately from him, something we can, uh, we can forget. And the Bible tells us we can, we can forget that. That's a, we're going to see uh, coming up next week. That's a common temptation when, when you feel like you've already got multiple weeks worth of bread or, you know, if you've done Dave Ramsey or whatever and you've got six months worth of daily bread stored back just in case, uh, it might feel like... Uh, You know, I don't need daily bread. But when we can forget that every ounce of bread that we have has come from him, right, has come from his hand. Uh, And and it teaches us humility as well, recognizing that we often don't know what we need. And when we think we know what we need, when we think we know the daily bread that I need today, uh, we're wrong. And so to have God be the one that supplies what we need is a matter of humility uh, and and uh, and of faith. All right, so hopefully we've managed just with that to see that, I mean, just that alone makes that, that prayer for daily bread a lot richer than we originally thought that it was, right? I'm not just asking for a loaf. I'm not even just asking for food. I'm asking for everything. And then we saw that the Lord is, is going to richly supply, that when we say, when we talk about daily bread, the Lord will richly supply our needs so that he's not even just going to give us enough to feed us, that your daily bread is, is going to be enough not just to feed you, but to feed those that you need to feed, we saw the Jesus taught us that in Luke 11. That's what he focused on after talking about daily bread. He mentioned the, the man who goes and asks the Lord for bread and asks him for three loaves uh, because he wants to feed a, a friend who has stopped by uh, in, in the night. Uh, so hopefully we see that's a really rich prayer. But, but we're going to see today that even that is not all that's held in the idea of daily bread. We're going to see that there's even more wrapped up in this idea of the Lord giving us our daily bread, that when the Bible talks about daily bread, it's going to go even deeper. It's going to extend our understanding of bread. Man, we're gonna, this is really bread. Uh, extend our understanding of bread even more to include not just our physical needs, but to include our spiritual ones as well. And that's what we're going to see this this week. We're going to look at how biblically uh, the Bible is going to talk about when it talks about bread. It's going to talk about our spiritual bread as well. So let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. Let's read verses 9 through 13. And let's read this Lord's prayer, this model prayer, as we're getting it into our heads. This this prayer that should be the model for all prayers uh, that we pray. Every ask shaped by this Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, that is our prayer today. As a whole, those are are the things we are asking. The things we we are crying out for from you today father we pray that you in your kindness and in your grace would teach us what it means when we ask you for daily bread that we'd see the rich request that it is so that we would with eagerness come to you and ask you to supply our daily bread please father it's in christ's name we pray amen 
All right. So today let's talk about how daily bread is spiritual bread. So when the Bible talks about bread, it does talk about physical bread and meeting physical needs. But the Bible also uses bread to talk about our spiritual needs, that your daily bread is your spiritual needs as well. You have, we need spiritual bread. That it's, the Bible is going to go beyond just bread as, as physical sustenance, but as a, a picture of our spiritual sustenance as well. Bread is, of course, part of our, of our earthly sort of uh, human life, but bread biblically is also part of our, of our spiritual life as well. And so we, last time we traced the, the, the evolution of, of that bread as meeting our physical needs. We trace that evolution through Scripture, seeing that, 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 it, that as it moved as a, sort of this physical substance and, and, and helped our physical uh, uh, story, was tied to humanity's physical Story, But now we're going to see that bread is also tied to our spiritual life as well. That bread becomes something uh, uh, about maintaining our spiritual health, not just our physical health. And it begins in the same place we began last time. It begins in the garden. All right. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 3. Okay. If you're, if you're wanting to, to follow along there. Uh, it begins, let's look at, let's see how bread has been tied to man's spiritual life since the beginning. So Genesis 3, uh, it's, it's at the fall, uh, we're going to see this danger of cursed bread, okay? The danger of cursed bread. So here we are, we're at the fall, and we're already beginning to see bread that it means more than just loaves, right? We saw that last time. It's more than just uh, God is going to make it, you know, frustratingly hard to make sourdough. Uh, it's more than just that. Genesis 3, what does he say? And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. So the, the ground is cursed because of your sin. So what does that look like? He says, you know, eating is going to be painful. It's going to grow thorns and thistles. You'll be forced to scavenge these wild plants, these, these, uh, the, these plants of the field. Uh, making bread will be tedious. And this will be true until the day that you die. So, so from the very beginning, in our spiritual fall, God brings up bread. We see sin uh, and we sin and God starts to talk about uh, bread. And the Bible warns us that there is going to be a type of bread that is going to grow from this cursed ground. Not all bread's going to be good. There is a cursed bread that we have to watch out for. Uh, look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 17. Proverbs 4, 17. For they eat the bread of wickedness. And drink the wine of violence. So if you're making marks in your Bible, you can write Lord's Supper uh, right next to that to see the imagery of, you know, the, the anti-Lord's Supper here. Uh, the people were taking a supper of the bread of wickedness and the wine of violence. And, and, and Scripture is saying, this is, there is a type of bread you should avoid. And again, he's not talking about physical bread. 
There's not someone out on the street corner, you know, saying, I've got, you know, I've got Wicked Loaf, I've got focaccia, I've got Wicked Loaf, I've got rye. This isn't, this isn't a physical loaf that we're buying here. This is a spiritual bread that they are eating, the bread of wickedness. And if you eat this bread, if you eat this wrong bread, it has spiritual effects on you. It is a, it is a bread of wickedness. Jesus takes this same idea and and warns his disciples of this same threat of eating the wrong bread. Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 12, we see this warning from Christ. What does he say? When the disciples reached the other side, they'd forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive, do you not remember the five loaves, the five breads for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered or the seven loaves, the seven breads for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus, he warns his disciples of the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees. The disciples are like, did we buy any Pharisee bread? Is that what we, we didn't even bring any. Why is he getting on to us? For, because that's the idea, right? Hey, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they're like, Jesus, we didn't even buy any bread, much less Pharisee bread. I promise this is not, this is not like they're like, like uber kosher here. Uh, and they're like, we didn't buy any Pharisee bread. This is not Sadducee bread. They said, in fact, we, it's funny because they're like, ha ha. We actually totally failed. Uh, we didn't, gotcha, we didn't buy any bread at all. Uh, and, he's, and Jesus says, look, I'm not talking about real bread here, but about the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, about the spiritual bread that the Pharisees and Sadducees are giving out, their teachings that are mixing into their bread. And if you eat bread leavened by the Pharisees and Sadducees, there's going to be problems. That's the, that's, that's the bread that the people have been chewing on, that the Jews have been chewing on, bread that has been leavened by the Pharisees and Sadducees, making it cursed bread. It is a bread that breeds wickedness. It is a bread that will breed the crucifixion of Christ himself. So in other words, bread is spiritual. And when it comes to spiritual bread, beware what you are eating. Not all bread is good for you. Wicked bread is cursed bread. So this is why, for example, you know, it is you need to guard yourselves in the type of teaching you're taking in 
I mean, the internet is the world's worst bread market. Uh, and don't think if you're like, I really love God. I'm going to type God into YouTube and just watch the first thing that everybody loves. It's got all the likes. Uh, and you're, you end up buying. You go looking for bread, right? You want bread and you don't realize. When you look at a loaf of bread, could you have realized that bread was leavened by the Pharisees and Sadducees? No, you're just out buying bread. And the next thing you know, you and your excitement have been listening and watching and chewing on cursed bread. And it will affect you. It will bring not health to you, but death. It will poison your belly and you won't even know it. You know, one of the things that happened uh, when two things happened in my life, I had to have back surgery and I fell in love with bread at the same time. Uh, and then you, I was looking back at some photos that Facebook has apparently stored to shame me. Uh, and I look at pictures of myself and I will go, who is this? A, is this like a swelling filter that they put on this Facebook? And I go, why? And I went, ah, I ate a lot of bread then, uh, and didn't do much else. Uh, and you know what happens? I, there's not a moment where you look down and you go, I have taken on, you know, like in the the Song of Songs when it's like her belly is a heap of wheat. Like it's not a moment where I looked down and went, I got a heap of wheat too. Uh, But that's what happens when you eat the wrong bread. When you eat cursed bread, when you're watching these things. uh, And and this this is again why with Timothy, Paul is like, look, you have the right people be pastors. This is why churches have to be careful about who's teaching and what teaching is going on because when anyone is teaching and when anyone is chewing on that teaching, if that bread is bad, leavened wrong, it becomes cursed bread. So beware what you're eating. Watch out what spiritual bread you're taking. Just because it is, just because it is Christian bread, as the Pharisees and Sadducees would have claimed, right? They wouldn't have gone around saying, We've got antichrist bread, antichrist bread, godless bread. Who wants the bread of wickedness? Wicked bread is sometimes labeled, falsely labeled as the bread of righteousness. And if you're not careful, you'll take it in. uh, And you think you're, you know, you think you're taking in uh, something healthy and it's not. You think it's, you think it's going to be good for you and it's not. You think it's going to be healthy and it's not. You think it's cream of chicken and it's cream of donut. You know, you think it's, you think it's going to be good for you and it, it's not good. It is bad bread. So beware of that bread, that cursed bread. It's not surprising though that bread takes on a spiritual imagery. It's not surprising that it does that in scripture because long before Jesus mentioned it here. That bread, the bread of the Pharisees and people aren't going, oh, he made bread something spiritual, right? Oh, he must be thinking of Proverbs, you know? Oh, that's, that's the only time that bread takes on this. Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't all of a sudden, you know, sort of being mystical. Long before that, long, long even, long even uh, before, before the writer of Proverbs, before Solomon wrote that in Proverbs 4. And before he warned about the bread of wickedness, God, God himself already gave bread a spiritual meaning, a spiritual picture tied to bread. And that's when bread symbolized the presence of God. 
Bread is a symbol of the presence of God. Did you, I mean, we don't often think about this. Did you know there was, there was bread in the tabernacle, right? bread in the temple? Never, never was there supposed to be a time in the temple where there wasn't bread of all things. That there were always loaves, 12 loaves, probably, probably to depict the, the, the 12 tribes. Leviticus 24 actually describes to us this spiritual bread, this bread that was a picture of a spiritual reality. Leviticus 24, verses 5 through 9. You shall take fine flour and bake 12 loaves, 12 breads from it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each bread, each loaf. And you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile on the table of pure gold before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense in each pile. Remember that you shall put pure frankincense in each pile that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It's from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is uh, for him a most holy portion of the Lord's food offerings, his bread offerings, a perpetual due. Now, what is that bread called? Well, Exodus, Exodus chapter 25, verse 30 actually tells us that bread is called the bread of the presence. And literally, that means bread of faces or face bread. The idea is, and then in King James, I think it became shoe bread, which then became show bread. And then it just, then you go, I have no idea why, it, what it's trying to say there. Uh, it is literally in the Hebrew, bread of faces, bread of, bread that is what? Before the face of God, because it's in the holy place. Bread that is in his presence. And then in the word, the, the Hebrew idea of presence, you didn't really have a, a, a word that necessarily meant presence. You just had a word that meant before their face, in their face. So the 12 loaves, like the 12 tribes, are always before the face of God. And God has arranged them on a table so that the people can come and eat them. He doesn't eat them, right? This isn't some, this is, this is his, the difference between God and pagan gods. God doesn't put it there and say, feed me. God says, put it there because I'm going to feed you. You're going to be in my presence. I'm going to make sure that there are 12 loaves set up for all my people in my presence perpetually. So that you may eat with me. So that you may feast with me. And this is why you've got to read the Bible in big sections here. Because Leviticus 24, this description of the bread of the presence, you're just looking in your Bibles and you're seeing what comes before and after it. This Leviticus 24 is seemingly randomly thrown into a section about Jewish feasts, about feasting. And when wanting to, to teach his people about how God is always with them, what does God do? God used bread. To say that this bread is, the, is a symbol of me always being with you and you always being with me and me making sure you're going to get your daily bread. Yes, in fact, you're going to get a feast. You're going to be able, you're going to, be able to feast not just in my land, you're going to feast with me. So God's going to give you your daily bread 
He's going to give you everything you need, both physically and spiritually. And he doesn't drop it from on high like some parachute that's going to float down and land at your table or land in your life. God is going to eat that bread with you. You're going to eat that bread with him face to face. He's going to give it to you. You're going to be eating it in his presence. God is not, again, we're not feeding God and stepping back and all of a sudden the loaves disappear. And God's not dropping loaves from the sky and we eat it and wonder, where did this come from? The picture of this bread is when you eat your daily bread, you will eat it with me. Whether you see me or not, I'm going to give you your daily bread and then I'm going to eat it with you. That is the bread before his face. It is a constant reminder that we are always in the presence of God. Even when he feeds us, he feeds us in his presence. So when you take your daily bread, when you eat what you need for today, when you get what you need for today, when you, when you get what you spiritually need for today, that is not from a God who is distant, but a God who is face to face with you, even as he feeds you. The Bible goes on. The Bible teaches us that that God's word is our spiritual bread. So not only is, is bread a picture of the presence of God, of that spiritual presence of the Lord and a very real presence of the Lord as well. The, the, uh, the, the Bible teaches us that God's word is our spiritual bread. Deuteron- and this happens very early again. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 2. It says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. It's a little Hebrew pun there. He fed you with what is it? So that because you didn't know. Nor did your fathers know, why? That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So why why did God's people go hungry in the desert, in the wilderness? God kept from feeding them. God made sure that they did not get food from anywhere else but him. So God starves his people in order to send them what? To send them manna. Manna they didn't know, right? So we're not getting anything that we understand from this place. Anything that should be coming from the wilderness. We're not getting anything. The only thing we get is a thing that's called, what is this thing that we got, basically? And, 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 and it makes a point, Jeremiah makes a point. You, this thing that you didn't know what it was, you didn't know how you got it, you didn't know why anything was going on, but it was all happening that you might know. That you might know what? So that you might know that you don't live on bread alone. That's, so people of Israel who have, and you think of their sin and their denying of God and their trust in God and all of that, I'm going to make sure you learn one lesson. I'm going to humble you. And this is why we said last week that bread is, trusting God for bread is a matter of humility. And we see this here. Uh, I'm going to humble you so that you know that you don't live on bread alone. What do you live on? Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's what you live on. And of course, this is a spiritual truth, right? 
This is a spirit. You live on the word. This, this doesn't mean, hey, Christians, we don't need to eat anymore, right? Because we don't live on bread. We live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we're going to take some sort of weird ultra fasting and really just see God feed us solely on his word. This is teaching us a spiritual truth here. Like we, our spiritual lives are nourished by God's word. And this idea of God's word is spiritual bread is continued uh, in the prophets. In the great section is Isaiah 55. This great question of what bread are you buying? Are you buying cursed bread? Are you buying righteous bread? Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 1, he says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money? This is, this is again, this is, if you, if you should write Romans 6 next to that, because this is a parallel here with Romans 6. Sin is going to pay you a wage of death. Christ is going to give you life for free. So draw that. Why do you spend your money? No, you can get all this other stuff for free, but instead you spend your money on what? For that which is not bread. And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, your love for David. So why are, you, why are you buying these things that aren't bread? Why are you buying these things that aren't good for you, that aren't nourishing you, when I've got something that will nourish you and is for free, right? So he says, you, are, you, you could get this free thing from me that is good for you, but instead, you're not just, you're not just eating bread of wickedness, you're buying wicked bread, you, you've subscribed to the wicked bread distribution program to get this wicked bread when I'm giving you this for free. So what will nourish you? What will nourish us? And what words does God use? Listen diligently to me. Incline your ear. Hear. And then that is what will cause you to eat what is good. What's he saying? What's he implying? My words are the things you need. So listen, incline your ear, hear. That's the bread you need to have. And in fact, this isn't like some sort of weird, healthy bread, right? One of the problems with healthy things is they taste horrible, right? But that's not what's going on here. He says, this isn't even just going to be bread that you're going to eat as my people, but it's, it, it's going to be horrible and you're going to be like, oh, this is gross. And like, but it leads us to heaven. So just, you know, hold your nose and open your mouth and just get through it. That's not what he says about this bread. He says, God's word is actually the greatest bread. What does he say? He says there at the end of verse 2, delight yourselves in rich food. Literally, delight yourselves in the fat. Remember, you remember, what the, you remember about the fat? The fat, in the, who is the fat supposed to belong to in the offering? Who is supposed to get, the, who gets the fat when it comes to, to food? You're all, barely mouthing god that's right okay there we go some of you are more confident that time the fat is supposed to be the lord's and, and, and if you remember this was the problem with eli's sons you had priests like eli's sons who were called worthless men 
Why? Because what did they eat? They ate the fat. They wanted the fat. And so they ended up actually getting fat. Eli actually got fat. And then he dies because he's so fat when he falls. So remember that the fat is supposed to belong to God. And yet here, God tells us that in his word, the fat becomes ours. By eating his bread, his bread is so good, it is like eating the fat. It is eating, that's why they translate it rich food. Because if you're like, where does this, what bread is he making that has fat on it? Uh, And how do I, where do I buy this bread now? Uh, That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, if you, this bread is so good for you and so good, like as you take it, it it's such a joy that it is the eating of the fat. It is the best. It is the stuff worthy, that was supposed to be worthy of God alone. And that's now ours. It is ours when? When we incline the ear. When we listen diligently. When we hear. When we take in the word of God, that is the bread that, that is true bread. And good bread, rich bread, fatty bread that is ours through his word. And so it's no surprise then that if, you know, you've got, uh, you've got Deuteronomy telling us God's word is our bread. You've got Isaiah telling us you're eating the wrong bread. What bread should I eat? Listen to me. Incline your ear to me. My words are your bread. It's the rich food. It's no surprise that Christ then says the same thing. Matthew chapter 4, the tempter comes to him. Satan comes and says, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, which as we read, the demons know he's the son of God, which is again, another reason to not think that just because you believe Jesus is the son of God, that you have salvation. Demons are crying it out. Uh, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here's here's we see the, 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 the spiritual picture that bread is. What is our daily bread? What do we need? More than more than physical bread, we need the spiritual nourishment that is the word of God. That's what our daily bread is. Our daily bread is our daily spiritual needs. And they are met by God's word alone. Which is why I tell Christians to be very practical. I mean, I I tell them, this this is a great imagery for us just in terms of how to live our Christian life. To think of God's word as if it is bread. Because that's the image. And as if it is the bread that your spiritual life needs. And so if you treat God's word like it is your spiritual food, then what will you do? You will need to be eating. And what often happens when I go to someone and we talk about uh, they've, got, they've got trouble with the kids or they've got trouble in their own life, they've got trouble in their marriage, and I, you know, I go, you know, well, have you been eating? Uh, and of course, to let them know I mean spiritually. Have you been spiritually eating? Have you been eating the word of God? Often, they say, well... You know, now that you mention it, uh, I haven't. Or it got really tough, and so then my schedule got really busy. And so what, what happens is, if we haven't been eating our spiritual food, we become spiritually famished. 
And when we're spiritually famished, just as if when you're physically famished, you get weak. And when you get weak, sometimes you get hangry, right? And we'll get hangry and we're like, why did I blow up? And we can think, well, because he did this or she said that or because they're the worst or whatever. And the truth is, they're not the reason you blew up. No one can cause you to sin. The reason you blew up is you haven't been eating. You know, if, if one of our kids hadn't been eating, your friend hadn't been eating, he was like, oh, I just feel really bad. And we're like, oh, you know, when's the last time you ate? I ate seven days ago. What'd you do? He says, I, I, I ate a piece of bread that I found, you know, <laughs> laying somewhere. I just grabbed it and just threw it. Like, well, you haven't eaten in seven days. No wonder. No wonder you're struggling physically. The same thing's true spiritually. If you're not eating on a regular basis, if you're not treating God's word as your food, eating it as often as you eat actual food, then of course you're going to struggle spiritually. And so then I tell people, look, one thing you need to do is just eat, because here's the other problem. Because of how we've grown up, we have turned the eating of God's word into an always must be Thanksgiving dinner situation, right? So we go, okay, oh, I need to read God's word. We go, ooh, I don't have 30 minutes right now. Uh, well, I'll just do it tomorrow, right? Or I'll try and do it when I get home because what does it have to be? Everyone's got to be quiet. The room's got, I've got to have like peaceful white noise playing in the background. I got to get my favorite Bible out. Got to get my markers ready, my highlighters. And then, you know, I get to eat. But if it's not that, well, then I didn't have time to read my Bible today. Look, have you ever been uh, hungry and like you're walking out the door and you're like, I've got to eat something. So you grab something. You grab a little something to eat, but you make sure that you eat. Man, it would be great if we treated God's word like that. Like if you have time, if you have time to spread out a Thanksgiving dinner of God's word, by all means do it. But if you don't, don't not eat because it can't be Thanksgiving, right? If your wife made a meal and she made it and it was like, you know, it was nice. You go, well, that's not Thanksgiving. Uh, That's probably not going to go over very well. Uh, and yet so many times when it comes to God's word, we think if it's not perfect, then I can't eat. If I don't have 30 minutes, I can't eat. If I don't have, and we don't treat actual food that way. And I'm saying don't treat spiritual food that way. Get something, eat something. It would be better, right? They, what do they encourage you? Eat several small meals throughout the day. And I'm not going to turn that into some spiritual reality because the Bible doesn't, uh, but it would be good for you. If you can't stop and have one giant meal, it would be better for you to have several meals throughout the day than one giant meal just to begin the day or giant meal to end the day. And if you can't get the giant meal, you don't get anything. Treat God's word like your food, like the spiritual bread that it is. Because even a little bite of it, a little bite of that fat will, will richly bless you throughout your day. It's certainly better than not getting anything if you can't eat everything. Uh, when you get it. So treat God's word like your spiritual bread. Be really good sort of practical tip. Uh, treat God's word like he says to treat his word, just, just as, as bread. Look at your life and say, how much have I been eating and see how that affects you. All right. So, so if God's word is, is what supplies our spiritual needs, it is then no surprise that Jesus, who is the word, is described as our bread. So as we get to the end, this last picture, we're going to see that Jesus is our bread. So what is spiritual bread? Christ. Christ is our spiritual bread. And we, and we see throughout Jesus' life, you see this imagery 
that hints as Jesus being something more and, and especially around the idea of bread. We already saw it. First temptation from Satan, you know, stones become bread. And he says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but everywhere that comes from the mouth of God. And we go, oh, and he's that bread. Like we're already going, and I know who that is. I know who the word is. But throughout Jesus' life, I mean, you go back to the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. People, people always wonder, they go, why these gifts? Why, why, why them? Well, I, I, think that these, I think these gifts are a foreshadowing that Christ is the temple. That's what I think these things are. That he is, he, this is the dwelling place of God. Because all of those items, all three of those items are distinctly tied to the temple in the law. Gold, frankincense, and we just looked at all, all the items, all the items in the temple wrapped in gold, right? Pure gold. Myrrh, myrrh was the main component in the oil that anointed the temple. The main, it was 50% myrrh and then this other stuff. And do you remember, where did we see frankincense earlier? What was frankincense on? Frankincense was put on the bread of the presence. The bread of being face to face with God. The bread of the tabernacle. And what what does John tell us about Jesus? And the word, and what is the word? The word that is our bread and the word, the bread, it became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled among us face to face. And then Jesus explicitly tells us. So you need to look at that and go, okay, well, you know, maybe we see a, a, a shadow that Jesus, you know, we go, oh, why they give him frankincense? Well, let me look in my Old Testament for frankincense. <gasps> frankincense was on the bread, the bread that is the word. And Jesus is the word. We see God face to face and all this stuff. And we go, like, like, how did I not, how did I just think the wise men were just being nice, you know? And, and that, you know, God even directs the gifts of the, of the pagans here. And then Jesus, so Jesus explicitly tells us that he is the bread in case we miss the imagery. That he is the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 30. John chapter 6, Jesus is laying out how he is the bread. Look at, let's just walk through that. Beginning in verse 30. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? So they're like, Give us a sign. And, and, and then it happens, by the way, they've got a suggestion, right? Because that's what they go in the next verse. Look at verse 31. Our fathers, right? So we want a sign. If you're trying to, you know, it's like when someone comes up and says, give me a joke. Uh, and you're like, I can't think of anything. You're like, do something, be funny, right? Uh, they come up and say, give us a sign. And by the way, we've got an idea. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So he said, give us a sign. The sign our fathers got, our, our, our fathers got bread from heaven. Heaven. And if, as, as we who know God's word, we're looking at this and going, man, you are just walking into this. Uh, you're just walking straight into bread from heaven. Hmm. I wonder what that could be. And Jesus said to them, verse 32, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So he said, look, Moses didn't really give you the bread from heaven. 
God gives you true bread from heaven and it's not a what, it's a who. Right? That's the switch that Jesus makes. He says, uh, for the bread of God is he who comes down. So the bread of God is not a what, remember? That's what manna is. The what is it? The what is this? And he says, the bread of God is not a what that God sends down, but a who that he sends down. And this bread from heaven comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they, they still, right? They still don't get it. They're just like the disciples. So cut them a little slack. Because what do they say in verse 34? They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. It's like, they're like, okay, okay. That's even a better idea than ours, right? That's, okay, you beat us. That's a really good one. We want that. Jesus said to them, what? I am the bread of life. That, that bread is me. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Again, again, notice in that we see Jesus talking about what we talked about last time, that bread is more than just food. And more than just, and more than just normal bread, because this bread can satisfy both hunger and thirst. I am the bread that is able to satisfy both your hunger and your thirst. I am everything. Is that expansion? I'm everything that you need. And in fact, as he goes through John 6, he stresses this idea, multiply, reinforces this idea, even building upon it. So in verse 48, he says, I am the bread of life. Again, verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And here, what's the, what's the main point? Jesus is their bread. He is the bread. He is their spiritual bread, giving life to all who eat of him. Which again fits. It fits in the Bible story. This is not some metaphor that God pulled out when Jesus came. He's like, I've got this great idea. Let's, let's make this about bread. I mean, you look at the Old Testament. What did we see? You don't live just on bread, but on the word of God. You get to the New Testament. That's still true. But the bread is not a what. The bread is a who. He is the word. So he is the bread. It just fits. It fits with what we've already learned. I mean, this, this is, the Old Testament isn't leading us to this. This isn't shocking. This is right in line with what we've read in the Old Testament. The word is the bread. And here we see the word is the bread. But the bread is not a what. The bread is a who. In fact, Jesus will tell us he's not even just their bread. He is the bread of the whole world. He is the bread of the nations. See, it's in Matthew chapter 15, beginning verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. The disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. Very compassionate, guys. He answered, uh, He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread, the children's bread, and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. 
Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So here we have a Gentile woman crying out for help from Jesus. And who does he say that he is? He is the bread of the children. He's the bread of the Jews, the children's bread. But when this Gentile woman asks for just a crumb of that bread, her faith is recognized and her daughter is healed. Christ, Christ is not just a Jewish bread. He's not just a Christian family bread. He is the bread of the nations. Even Canaanites living in Tyre who have demons possessing their children. Even of the dogs of this world, the worthless of this world. He is the bread that gives them life. So when we're talking about bread, when we're praying for the bread we need daily, our minds must move to Christ as the pinnacle of that imagery of what is bread. Our minds must move to him. He, he is our daily nourishment. He is the bread that leads us not just to health, but to eternal life. This is the culmination of all of that imagery of bread throughout scripture. From, from a loaf to all of our food, to everything we need, everything, not just physically, everything spiritually, this bread that is, that is the word of God and this word of God that is a who, not a what. And so this image of Jesus as the bread then becomes very literal in the Christian church as we remember this when we take the Lord's Supper. In Luke 22, verse 19, it says, And he, and he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave, them, uh, gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus is saying, when you see this bread... This is me. And you're going, well, this would be perfect for next week when we take the Lord's Supper. One, I got another one next week, so don't worry. It's going to fit there too. The The Lord's Supper is codifying the importance of seeing Christ as our bread. We can't look back and go, well, I didn't see the bread imagery or I missed it. I missed it. The Old Testament says that God's word is the bread and I didn't tie that to Jesus or I wasn't paying attention in John 6. And when we see this bread, when we, when we think of our daily bread, the image of bread in the church is centralized on Christ, the body, the, the bread broken for us. And so the New Testament kept that, that bread act, in a very literal bread picture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So the very literal picture is a picture of Christ who is our spiritual bread. Just as this bread is broken for us to eat, right? Not just broken and left there. Look at what happened to the bread. How sad the bread has been broken. Not just broken for us to look at, broken for us to eat. So Christ is broken so that we might live. When we take the Lord's Supper, we see God's ultimate answer to this prayer. Give us this day 
our daily bread. That's why I say in all of these, Christ, uh, the Lord has always answered, uh, is answering, and will answer all of these prayers. This prayer, give us our daily bread, has, has already been ultimately answered. We've already got our greatest answer to this request. Christ is the bread given for us. A daily bread that leads to eternal life. We put these two weeks together. When we pray for our daily bread, what are we asking for? We're asking for our physical bread. We're asking for everything that we might need. We're asking that it might be richly given to us so that we can feed us and any who might be in need. But our food is more than just earthy food. We're praying for our spiritual bread as well. Not the cursed bread that we sometimes long for and sometimes shop for. But the bread of his presence teaching us that he is always with us. The bread of his word that is feeding our souls. The bread of the son of Christ. The bread of life. The broken bread. And the bread that we break and eat that we might live. Our spiritual bread. So, so think I mean, let's meditate on the bounty found in that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. We can see now, this is no small request. We see why God would put this at the front of all things, your daily bread, and go, well, what is daily bread? And our minds shoot through the scriptures to see all that is wrapped up in that phrase, our daily bread. It's no small request, and God gives us no small answer. We started out by by asking why should we ask for daily bread? Why should, we, why should we have to ask for daily bread? That we're tempted to skip this request. It's not, not really as important as the others. Not as special as the others. It's just about bread, right? It's just about bread. I mean, the others are deep. Temptation, right? The glory of God, his name, his kingdom, his will. Now the question isn't, why should we ask this, for this daily bread? Why should we ask for daily bread? Now the question is, How could we ask for anything else? There's no greater gift that the Lord can give us than to give us our daily bread. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment and just wrap our heads around all that God has said is in that phrase, our daily bread. Think about when you, when you pray that prayer, it's so simple. Give us our daily bread. And, and we so often just made it about, make sure that I eat today, God. And it's not less than that. But it is so much more too. So much more. That when you say our daily bread, you're, you're, you're asking for everything that you might need. That you might be richly blessed that God might give you three loaves in case you need to feed someone who comes. Not three loaves so you can store back two. Like the people in the wilderness. But loaves so that you might feed any in need. And then we see that, that, that it's spiritual bread. That God would feed you spiritually as well. But And again, what does he say? Richly. Feed us richly. Give us the fat that is found in his word. We Remember, he is always with us. We might see the danger of, of cursed bread around us. And that we might eat of Christ, that we might live forever. That, our, that the, the request for bread has been answered in his son. Not in another what to come down from heaven. But a who. That comes down and gives us life.
all, all in a simple phrase. How he can keep these prayers so short and yet fill them with such depth and richness that we might search the scriptures to see all that is tied up in a simple phrase like give us this day our daily bread. And Father, that's what we ask. We ask today simply that you would give us our daily bread, that we would see what we need and what we don't, and that we would turn to you for everything. For you are the one who richly supplies all that we need, both for this life and the life to come. And we see all of those promises fulfilled when you sent the bread of life, when you sent your son, when you sent Christ, that that bread might give us life and life eternal. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.